0: Welcome to NASA EDGE, an inside and outside look at all things NASA. I'm here today with Michelle Monk, who's the Systems Capability Lead for Entry, Descent, and Landing for the agency. Thanks for coming on the show,
1: Michelle. Hi, Blair. Thanks for having me.
0: The last time we spoke on the show was right after the Curiosity landing back in 2012, and there was lots of excitement around what you were doing with Medley, and I'm wondering... I know it's been a long time and a lot of advancements have been made, but can you give us an update on what you learned in that mission and how we might be using that data for Mars
1: 2020? Sure, Blair. Yeah, it's been uh, really busy uh, since 2012. Um, we got great data back from Medley, and it taught us a lot about um, the entry environment uh, of Mars and flying through the atmosphere at high velocity, all the way down to parachute deploy. And so we were able to put a second suite called Medley 2 on Mars 2020, and we are hoping to get even better data back from it. Uh, we were able to improve upon uh, Medley. We found some places where we underpredicted heating and where we over-predicted heating, and so we moved our sensors around a bit and got better coverage on the heat shield, so we'll get even better data this time.
0: It seems like with Mars and now Artemis going to the Moon that there's a lot of opportunities to look at this whole process of entry, descent, and landing. I know it's a little different on the moon, but how are those two uh, destinations working together
1: to help you better understand this process? That's a great question. Though at the moon, we actually call it DDL, deorbit descent and landing. And uh, we are using a lot of the things we've learned at Mars for the moon, and we're gonna learn what we learn on the moon forward for humans on Mars. So it's a great interconnection. One of the things that we've used most regularly and learned about through our Mars robotic missions is how to design the entry, descent and landing. You can't test entry, descent and landing end to end on the earth. And so we actually build a computer simulation and run it thousands of times to make sure that it's gonna work when it gets to Mars. So we're taking that knowledge of how to build those simulations and all the expertise, and we're applying it to the lunar missions. And so a lot of our entry, descent and landing team within NASA and all of our contractors around the country are supporting the human landing system uh, by doing those simulations. And uh,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, EDL and DDL both have a L at the end, or NL at the end of them, and so there is a lot of similarity, at least in terms of finally getting safely on the ground in both destinations.
1: Yeah, one of the most important things um, for both destinations that we actually have not proven yet is precision landing. We do safe landing at Mars, thank goodness, but uh, we don't do it very precisely. Even Mars 2020 is going to have a landing footprint of about a 10 kilometer circle. And that's with a couple of major improvements in the landing system. Uh, One is called Terrain Relative Navigation, where they have an onboard stored map of the landing area and they use cameras to look at the landing site on the way in compare the images that they're taking to the stored map and actually figuring out where they are with respect to the surface. So that's a new thing. And it's really the first step in all precision landings. Um, But for both uh, lunar and Mars missions coming up, we're gonna need to land things near each other and not hit the things around us. And so we need both very precise landing about 100 times better than we're doing today and we're going to need hazard detection both from natural hazards and from those other things that we put at the landing site. So precision landing is one of the things that's going to feed directly forward. Um, We actually have some sensors that have been developed for general purpose precision landing that are being flown on some of the first lunar robotic missions called the Commercial Lunar Payload Surfaces, or CLIPS missions. And when we demonstrate those sensors on those missions, they will then be used on the human lander system when we send the humans to the South Pole of the Moon, and then they will likely feed forward to future Mars missions as well. Are you gonna have time
0: to even take a break before 2024? Because it seems to me like all these missions, you've got a lot of data that you're gonna gather all the way up to the arrival of the first woman and the next man on the moon. this is more edl opportunities than than i could have ever imagined we would have
1: yeah absolutely i don't think there are going to be any breaks um i mentioned the simulation so a lot of our uh, mars at edl team who's not working 2020 has turned their attention to um, planning for artemis and building up those simulations uh, with our commercial partners um, we also are concerned about plume surface interactions Uh, When we start landing things on the moon, close to each other, how much regolith are we going to, or soil, um, are we going to throw around um, into our neighbors? And what size crater are we going to dig under each of the landers? So we need to understand all that before we uh, send the humans. So we are taking every opportunity on the smaller robotic missions to try to gather data on phenomenon like that.
0: Well, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you're going to do a great job. You've got a great team. We loved uh, our interview on Medley and uh, the work that you did there, but obviously uh, you're just really scratching the surface. So keep up the good work. It's really impressive. Thank you, Blair. It's a really exciting time. Absolutely. You're watching NASA EDGE, an inside and outside look at all things NASA.